Hello and welcome to the January the 3rd uh, edition, or 2020, I can't believe it's 2020, edition of the Wee Ginger Duckers with me and Stuart Ward of The National. Hello there everyone. Did you have a good time in the holidays, Stuart? I, I did, I was down in Tory Territory in recent Galloway. And you survived to tell the tale. I somehow did. I know. I didn't, I didn't wear my national coat. <laughs> Stone me, stone me. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so it's already been an eventful start to the year. Yeah, um, it has, isn't it? It's World War Three has broken mm. out already, I think. Uh, Donald Trump has assassinated the second most powerful man in Iran, uh, a guy called General uh, Qasem Soleimani, who was assassinated in Baghdad. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what he was doing in Baghdad, but he was, was landing at the airport. I think it was well, yeah, uh, because the Iranians, uh, the majority of the population of, of of Iraq are Shia Shia Muslims, as are the Iranians, and there's close ties between a lot of factions in Iraq and the Iranians. Uh, the Americans have assassinated this guy uh, with a drone strike this morning, earlier this morning. Um, because they claimed that he was about to take some sort of action against you know, some unspecified kind of action. And now the Iranians are threatening all sorts of retribution. Whereas the Americans are saying they're committed to de-escalation in the Middle East. I mean, that is literally the 180 degree opposite of, what they just did. of de-escalation. Uh-huh. But still... But I think Donald Trump just wants a nice little war. I mean, the, there's so many tweets being pulled up just now of Donald Trump saying Obama will have he'll start a war with Iran to get re-elected. Obama will start a war. Oh yeah. And yeah. And, and would you believe it? Donald Trump has went and started well yeah. tried to start a war so far. Yeah. Um. And I mean, to, he announced it on, on Twitter. He confirmed the strike with an extremely low resolution picture of the American flag. Uh, I mean, just a, a pixely, blurry American flag, and you just this is. The most powerful man. That's, I'm sure that's symbolic of something. It really is. So, I mean, there are a lot of people coming out with their kind of opinions and stuff today, obviously. And you kind of wonder what their opinions were in Iraq, don't you? When people oh, yeah. are submitting all I these columns. Know. and Do you see echoes of it again? Or eh? Do you see echoes of that in, in the kind of discourse we're seeing today? Or? Well, it's, it's a very alarming development, mm-hmm. you know, um, I think it's really too early to know what the response is going to be other than not good. Um, it was interesting, though, that the, the British government and the, you know, was kind of sort of not distancing itself because usually, you know, what they like, the British government, the Americans, and the Americans, oh, yeah, 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 we'll be here, we cheered flag waivers, but they didn't actually support what the Americans had done. They didn't criticise it. But they never said, yes, well done, fantastic. They, no. they sort of said, well, you know, it's, everybody should calm down. America, kind of I think America said they discussed it with Dominic Rabb, I think is what and they said. When you're too unhinged even for Boris Johnson. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's quite daunting, isn't it? It yeah. is daunting. So we'll just have to wait and see how this one plays out, but it's not looking very good. Do you uh, think... Do you think you think it is a re-election thing with Trump? Do you think this is him playing politics? Quite or? possible. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think it is. But there's, he's been kind of... Angling for some reason to go against Iraq for a while, uh, Iran, sorry, mm. for a while. Um, so yeah, but uh, Donald Trump will try anything to stay in power. He really will, and and having a nice little foreign war yeah. from his perspective, you know, 
that's the ideal way for him to rile up his base. And, and, you know, and if you if you oppose him, you're you know you're su- supporting Iran. Uh, in fact, and I've already seen that on social media. There was some quite prominent people in the Republican establishment in America have accused Nancy Pelosi of all people, the Speaker of Congress in in the United States, of uh, supporting Iran. Because basically she's trying to tell people to calm down a bit. Mm. So we're going to get a lot more of that kind of really dangerous rhetoric. Yeah, and and you know there's people down there, there's people around Donald Trump who who kind of will benefit from this kind of war and benefit from pushing him towards it. I mean, think back to John Bolton and stuff when he was in his post. So, yeah, so we'll just have to wait and see how this plays out, but it's not looking good. I mean, I mean, it's, it's difficult. I mean, neither of us are experts no. in the Middle East. We don't have any great expertise or insight into it. Um, but then we're not invited on national news to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Unlike what happens with Scotland. Oh, there we go. That was yeah. amazing. That was a good link, that wasn't was so it? <laughs> Who could you be referring to here? Well, I was watching Sky News the other day and I almost choked on my cornflakes. Uh-huh. So I did. Um, there was a discussion with two uh, political experts about, you know, the, the political agenda for night for 2020. Uh, there was a woman whose name escapes me who was actually quite sensible. Uh, and then there was this guy, Jonathan Haslam, who is a professor of political history who specialises in um, the history of the Soviet Union and he really should stick to the collective farms, I think. And he used to be an advisor to John Major, so, you know, Tory advisor to a Tory government, I think, kind of tells you all you need to know about where Mm. his politics are coming from. And, of course, they were asked about Scotland because... You know, probably they came on holiday here once, which makes them experts in <laughs> Scottish politics. And this guy reeled off all these, you know, about reasons why Nicola Sturgeon's not going to get a referendum, including the Alex Salmon trial was one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, uh, Scottish ho- the, the, there's two hospitals that haven't opened apparently. Is that true? Yeah, yeah, two hospitals. I think he was referring to one of them was the the hospital which I insist on calling the Southern General because that's its name. <laughs> uh, which has actually been open for a while. It is open, yeah. Uh, anyway, that was two hospitals that haven't been opened. And also, uh, and this was the part that made me choke on my conflicts, he said that there's these issues about the que- the delayed opening of the Queen's Ferry crossing and the cost overruns. Of the, of the Queen's Ferry of the crossing? the Queen's Ferry crossing, yeah. So that bridge that has been open since uh, August 2017... Uh-huh. It's not open yet. Which won awards for which its won awards. project management. Yeah, and yeah, which came in, I believe, on time and under budget. That it, one. You know, yeah, it was, one. literally had global attention on it. Yeah, for, yeah. And, well, and, according to Sky News, it's not open yet. And then did anyone say, by the way, that's not open yet? No, they, never, that's open. they just nodded. To, oh, right. I mean, yeah. that, is that the quality of... That's the quality of commentary that we get about Scotland on uh-huh. the UK media. So when you actually are going across the Sky Bridge, if you're going from Fife to Edinburgh, you're not actually travelling on a bridge at all. <laughs> you're just going over... It's like it's like Wiley Coyote in mm. one of the Roadrunner cartoons. Just painting, just, yeah. you're, you're just your wee legs are just going <laughs> so fast that you haven't realised that you're supported by nothing but thin air. Just to have the confidence to go in here and say something that ridiculous is... I know, I know. But the thing is, I mean, if if people haven't done, like, really Mm -hmm. basic, basic research like that, I mean, how can you give any credence to anything else that they say? Exactly, that's it. And everything that he said just prior to that as well... It's like, what? You have to take in that light. 
but that's the kind of quality of commentary that we get, you mm. know. But this, the, the UK media is notoriously bad. Actually, just last night, um, I got a, a, a message from a friend in Spain who follows, he lives in the Basque country, and he follows, you know, Scottish politics mm. quite closely. And he couldn't believe this story that was in the Telegraph. And the headline was, Sturgeon will not get a referendum. Or I think that's the head. It was words to that effect. That was certainly the implication that was given. There will be there will be no independence referendum, you know. And it was based on the the story that was that was published in the Herald about Kenny McCaskill saying that there wouldn't be. He didn't think that there was going to be an independence referendum in twenty twenty. He thinks it would be in twenty twenty one, you know. Uh, but the way it was spun by. The, the Telegraph yeah. was that, there, that a senior SNP politician was saying there wouldn't be an independence referendum. You know, and it's like the exact opposite of what the guy said. The, <laughs> exactly. guy's, the guy said, yes, there will be an independence referendum. He, it's, it's, a, it's a disagreement about timing. Mm. You know, and we can have a debate about, you know, about the timing of it, but he doesn't think it's going to be in 2020 and he thinks that not being in 2020 is a good thing for independence but the way that it was spun by this right wing newspaper was like there's not going to be an independence referendum at all you know and that people within the SNP are saying no no there's not going to be an independence referendum <laughs> and it's the exact it opposite of, mm. of actually what's happening you know so it's not actually that surprising that people like Jonathan Haslam can come out with the kind of thing that he does because that's the kind of quality of information that he's been fed mm-hmm. you know that's the kind of stuff that the people in south of the border are being told about Scottish politics and that's one of the biggest issues that I think that we've got in the independence movement you know it's, it doesn't matter how often like the National for example has done really good work and I've continually banged on about it for years about this Spanish veto myth right and we go on and on and on about how it's not going to happen in the Spanish government we cite all these senior figures in the Spanish government that have said that they're not going to veto Scotland and yet it keeps on popping up constantly you know I just I saw it on social media the other day some guy saying oh Spain will veto you you know <laughs> and it just doesn't go away no no matter what, how many facts you yeah. show or how many but, I mean, I've always said that if Scotland had a media that was truly representative of the range of opinion in Scotland, we'd be independent already. Mm-hmm. I've always believed that. So, that's where we are with that. I mean, yeah, it is, it is this just total divide between, you know, the, the people... The, there's just so little conception of Scottish politics down south. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, and, what? I mean, I was, this thing with that as well is that it affects the parties. yes. Yeah, but also I think it has a, a, an effect on... I've noticed that there's a lot of really kind of fed up and anxious people in the independence movement at the moment. You know, there's a lot of kind of weariness. And mm. I think a lot of that is a product of this... People feel like they're continually banging their heads off a brick wall to no effect. And that is... I think in a lot of ways it's that's a deliberate tactic of our opponents is to produce that kind of exhaustion in the independence movement to make us feel like we're not getting anywhere, to make us feel that there's no progress. But I'm actually a lot more confident, you know, than I was back in 2014. You know, we, we are definitely, I think, in this country on the path to independence. 
I think, in a way that we weren't, I think, in 2014. Because I'm seeing all sorts of people that didn't support independent, even people within my own family. Uh, not my dad, but other people. <laughs> but uh, people within my own family who didn't support independence in 2014, some of them were quite vocal against it and saying, well, yeah, I'm going to vote yes now. You know, and there's there's been a definite shift. You know, and I think partly that's a product of what the huge, huge achievement of 2014 was, was to normalise the whole idea of independence. So now it's a normal idea in Scottish political discourse and people are talking about it and people have been talking about it for the past few years. And the more that people talk about it, the more it's seen to be a normal idea, the more people are saying, well, aye, let's do this. And I think that this Boris Johnson government will be the final thing that seals the deal for Scottish independence. I think it will be the equivalent of Thatcher. Because I'm, what Margaret Thatcher did was... See, you're too young to remember who you <laughs> Sitting here learning? Uh, well, that, in 1979, Scotland was evenly divided on the question of whether it wanted a parliament, right? whether it wanted devolution. There was the infamous referendum in 1979 where we narrowly voted in favour of, of Labour's home rule proposals. Some people seem to think that's uh, an independence referendum. I've heard that on Sky News, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but it wasn't. It was a referendum about uh, a, a very limited form of devolution, which was even more limited than the, the holiday that we've got just now. Um, and it was not, it was voted in favour, but it was rejected because of this forty percent threshold that Labour MPs had put on. But Scotland was very there was a, there was a very close fought race then, and then the the whole experience of Thatcher governments and the Tory Tory rule converted that into the referendum of nineteen seventy nine, uh, sorry nineteen ninety seven, where it was like nailed on. It was like seventy percent in favour of of. Scottish Parliament and I suspect that Boris Johnson and Brexit will have the same effect on the desire for independence only I don't think it will take you know 15 years to achieve it Yeah I mean mean, do you think what Ken McCaskill was saying about 2021 for the referendum being more likely do you think he's right? I don't know Um, I really would like there to be a referendum this year Mm -hmm. I really would um I think it's important to make sure that we keep putting the political pressure on Boris Johnson. And I think it's what one of the things that we have to do, and the Scottish Government needs to do, is to to make sure that... See, this is the other false narrative that we continually get in the media, that a referendum without a Section 30 order is illegal and that we need, that we need Boris Johnson's permission to have a referendum. We don't. You know, and a referendum without a Section 30 order is not unlawful. You know, it is. It might be unrecognised, but it's not unlawful. We can have a referendum, and I think what the Scottish government needs to do is to make. They, they need to use it, I think, as as a stick with which to beat the British government, basically, uh, a metaphorical stick. Uh, that look, you. We would like you to cooperate with this process because it's very much in your interest to cooperate with the process, but it's going to happen with or without you. And if it happens without you, you're going to be on the back foot 
because you will then be trying to t- tell the people of Scotland that they are partners in a union when you're trying to prevent them from actually having any say in the matter. And you can't argue that at the same time as, you know, uh, while, while you're trying to argue that Scotland is a valued and equal partner in a family of nations, you, you can't at the same time say, well, you don't actually have the right to decide your own future. Those two things are mutually contradictory. And if they did go down that road, they will lose. So the only way... I mean, this is what I would do if I was, like, the First Minister. I'd be saying to Boris Johnson, the only hope in hell you've got of preventing Scottish independence is to agree to a session 30 order. Because that's the only way that you've got any chance of making a pitch that the Scottish people are going to believe in. And without first having damaged your credibility massively by saying no, 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 no. But I think in a way it suits the Scottish government to allow Boris Johnson to say no, 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 Mm -hmm. because every time he says no, someone else goes, oh, bugger this for a game of soldiers, you know, and moves over to yes. And I think that as of the 31st of January, I think we'll start to see consistent majorities for independence because we'll be out of the European Union. It will have happened. And the the issue will no longer be about remaining in the EU. It will be what's the best way to get back into it. And if you're in Scotland, the quickest route back into the EU is Scottish independence. So, there have been a couple of kind of important interventions in Scotland or moments in Scotland this week as well. Yes. So we were talking about the STUC before we came. We were indeed. Yeah, there was uh, Graham Smith. Uh, head of the STUC, the Scottish Trade Union Congress, has said that the Labour Party in Scotland needs to accept that there is a mandate for another independence referendum because they accept, Labour Party accepts that Boris Johnson's got a mandate for Brexit and you can't accept that Boris Johnson has a mandate for Brexit and deny that the SNP has a mandate for an independence referendum. Richard Lennon will try to but he's just, he's just he wrong to. Yeah, of course he yeah. will. Of course he will. I wasn't actually being... I don't know if you read my predictions for the year. That was... Uh, it was kind of... It was a bit tongue-in-cheek. Well, I say a bit. Tongue-in-cheek. <laughs> I said my prediction for the Labour Party was that they were going to... The Labour Party in Scotland is that they'll re- announce the results of their review into their electoral defeat <laughs> and resolve that they just need to keep doing the same thing, only more loudly and with <laughs> even less wit and charisma. That sounds like the... A familiar formula they'll be used to yeah, that one yeah, yeah. and uh, of course Monica Lennon as well saying well yeah she said that Monica Lennon has said that um, Labour needs to be a, a Labour party a, a Scottish Labour party mm. uh, and I think kind of separate from the UK yeah. well, I mean it goes back to what we were saying before with you know there is such a different conception of politics in Scotland and the UK as a, as a more general party that you know them every time they bring up someone from the UK party, they put their foot in their mouth. They, Jeremy Corbyn says something ridiculous, about independence, or gets a gets a fact wrong, or something like that. And I mean, maybe if they were on their own terms, they could actually try to be the go the obvious route, which is uh, yeah, Scotland should have a. Well, I think they have to. I mean, there is a range of policy issues that that I think Scottish Labour could if it was Scottish Labour as opposed to the branch office of, of a Labour Party that they, they could have you know quite distinct policy positions from like for example on Trident yeah it's a big one know. isn't it 
I mean, that is a big one. I mean, Jeremy Corbyn is obviously not pro Trident as a person, but no. then, he, then he, his manifestos are. I mean, no, but but the logic of of English politics, mm-hmm. as opposed to Scottish politics, the logic of England is that that you know, if you want to be the prime minister, then you have to support Trident. Whereas that's not a position that a Scottish party needs to adopt in order to be seen as credible you know, by the media. Again, we come back to that. You know. So yeah, so so there's a there's a range of issues I think that, that it would benefit the Scottish Labour Party. Actually, actually, I think the biggest thing that would benefit the Labour Party in Scotland is for Scotland to become independent. And, and really, that that would that would revive the Labour Party <laughs> <laughs> because then you know. They wouldn't have to pretend to be British anymore. Yeah, exactly. And and you know you wouldn't have people in Labour who who are want independence and just are made to feel so alien in their own party because Richard Leonard's saying this is hell, this is terrible, this can't even dare we not even discuss this. And you know they'd actually be able to maybe say, oh well, Labour aren't making me feel unwelcome. I agree with their policies a little bit yeah. more. I can vote for them again. But it's like I mean, if Labour want to recover as a as a credible political force in Scotland, right? The only realistic chance they've got of doing that is by appealing to people who support independence. Because, you know, I would say that, that certainly there's, you know, the, both you know, the, the independence versus UK versus independence divide crosses the political spectrum. Uh, but I would say that the, 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 the dominant bulk of the independence movement is on the left. You know, so if you want to be an anti-independence party as Labour does at the moment, you're fishing in a very small pond. You know, and the most most of your the the the, the, the votes that you're seeking to, to to scoop up are going to be votes that would be quite inclined to go for you know a Tory message, and those aren't left-wing votes. No. So if you want to get left-wing votes, you need to start appealing to independent supporters. And also, as we've seen from various opinion polls, uh, 40% or more of Labour supporters in Scotland support independence. So there's already a significant tranche of Labour support in Scotland which already supports independence. And if they come down as really hardline, you know, British nationalist they're alienating those people who already support them and doing themselves even more damage. So if they want to actually increase the support that they've got, they have to appeal to independent supporters, particularly in the central belt. You know, that's where the, the Labour Party monolith was before. White Town, White exactly. Town, Glasgow, you know. Yeah, exactly. And White Town again, you know. I mean... I, I, it wasn't that long ago, it was utterly unthinkable that somewhere like Coke Bridge wouldn't have a Labour MP. <laughs> you know, they, I mean, it literally was. It was that they weighed. That's what they, they, they said. They, they weighed the vote there. The previous Labour MP for there, I mean, he always wanted to be... I mean, God bless you. I'm just, I'm just, I'm a bit freaked out as well that our lights just oh, suddenly went out as well, yes, must I be know, said. Excuse me. I'm still talking about Scottish Labour in trouble and our lights just... That's a metaphor. That's a metaphor. That's definitely a metaphor. <laughs> but no. But yeah, they, they, he always wanted to have the largest majority in the Commons. Yeah. You know, and now it's just it's totally wiped out. So if Labour want to, you know, 
get back to where they were. They have to appeal to pro-independent supporting people in Scotland. And the only way that they can have a realistic chance of doing that is by, I think, A, being a distinctively Scottish party, and B, at least being agnostic on the question of independence. But that means fundamentally that they can't be seen to be blocking the right of the Scottish people to choose their own you know, whether or not we want to remain a part of the United Kingdom or not. And that's where Labour are at the moment. They're being, they're, they're being dominated by this hardline British nationalist faction. They'd also probably I refuse to use the term unionist anymore. That's my New Year's resolution. They'd also probably benefit from not having a leader who's so anonymous and... Oh, yeah. Um, Rupert Leotard. <laughs> generally disastrous. I, I think I think you're right, Rupert. That seems, sounds right. Oh. Um, Gold Lackvoter. What's his, what's his name? <laughs> I him, yeah. But they would just, they'll just replace him with somebody that, I mean, you're right. that's just even more boring and dull, <laughs> you know, and, and totally lacking in charisma or appeal. Do you think, you know, they kind of say that, um, you know, if you're kind of wanting to do something in Labour, you'd go to Westminster rather than stay in Hollywood. Uh, if they were in, you know, an independent Scotland, they might attract a little more talent. Because well, exactly, yeah. But that doesn't just, doesn't just apply to Labour. That applies to all political mm. parties. You know, there wouldn't be this pool, you know, this 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 vacuum that that, that sucks, you know, talent and aspiration out of Scotland. And that wouldn't just apply in politics. That would apply across the board in a whole lot of professions. You know, yeah. Because it would mean that, you know. Professional bodies and and they, they they would be represented within Scotland, mm-hmm. you know. So so it would have a beneficial effect across the whole of Scottish society. It's and the only way that we have of retaining people. Exactly. I think. And um, just briefly before we wrap up as well, is we have um, Boris Johnson. We haven't mentioned him so yeah. We do, do we need to. We do, do need we, to do mention we? him. We do. It's, it's in do the contract. Is it? Is it? Are we contractually obliged to mention <laughs> Boris Johnson. <laughs> Um, so Boris has been preaching unity, hasn't he? And yeah. Do you, how, how did you, how, <laughs> did you find Boris's message of togetherness convincing at all? Uh, oh yeah, totally. I'm totally behind the Boris project. He lied. Yeah, uh, it's just can't, isn't it? It's like what Margaret Thatcher said um, when she was elected. Again, you would remember this. But it was she quoted uh, St Francis of Assisi. You know, and let's all, you know, mm. all happiness and let's heal divisions and let's all come together and yeah bah. I think one of the, the worst moments of I was say, yeah. it wasn't the podcast for a little bit it was when um, Boris spoke I can't remember what he quoted but he spoke some Greek ancient Greek or whatever and oh that was funny actually yeah he got slaughtered on social media. I know. He got slaughtered for it. And it's just so funny. And then you have people saying, oh, well, this is, the, this is so prime ministerial. Is it, though? No. Well, actually, right. Um, I mean, I don't speak ancient Greek, but there are plenty of people on social media who do. <laughs> they do, yeah. And anyway, what he said was that he was quoting the introductory passage from the Iliad, and this is what he quotes when he's, you know to give him inspiration mm. and this guy who is an, an, a, 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 a classical scholar said well firstly there's nothing in the, the opening passage of the Iliad that's particularly inspiring <laughs> you know, in terms of modern politics but secondly uh, first of all he's, I mean I don't speak ancient Greek you know, but immediately I recognised that his pronunciation was atrocious <laughs> And there was quite a few Greek people saying I don't rec- I didn't recognise any of that. Like the only word that I recognised in what he said was Atreides, 
and that's actually one of the characters from the novel Dune. I was going to say, so, isn't it? Yeah. But anyway, um, so he was slagged off for his pronunciation. Uh, they've also, though, uh, what I can comment on more accurately is that I've heard him speaking French, uh-huh. and he's supposed to. He's called a fluent French speaker. His French is awful. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a barbarous pronunciation. It's awful the way he pronounces French, and that's to me someone who doesn't love language speaks like that because you don't care you know you don't care enough to try and speak it properly you know um, and he was doing the same way as ancient Greek but more seriously according to this classical scholar more seriously the fact that he was totally mangling his pronunciation was the fact that he, he missed out parts of this quote you know, he missed out line 8 and line 17 and 18 and then he ended the passage with a, a chunk of ancient Greek text from some other text oh, entirely dear, dear, dear. so it was totally mangled but I mean even even if he had done it accurately and even if he had done it accurately with a good Greek pronunciation so what You know, so I, can, yep. I can quote you songs in Spanish mm-hmm. right because I happen to speak Spanish you mm-hmm. know uh, it's it's no more a, a feat of intellectual prowess than the ability to recite all the I don't know all the scores in the Scottish football championships since, since World War Two. You know, yeah. I mean, and there's plenty of people that could do that. Yeah. You know, it's that's it's not you don't have to be a genius to do that sort no, of thing. And you know, I think I can't. I think it might be an Andrew DeKale column. Qu- quite remember it was in Seven Days of the Sunday National, talking about you know. We, we, you see politicians in Scotland when they get elected um, there's a kind of you know someone like Derek Mackay has got quite a close connection to the people he's making policies for you know right. um, whereas in, in England they seem to venerate this like ideal eating oh. you know it's you know it's like oh, oh so we can quote the, oh he studied Latin wow he, he's, he must be able to be Prime Minister that's not going to help him Understand how like oh, no, disastrous universal credit no, no, is. It, you'd be as well like mm. quoting poetry in in, in Nahuatl, mm. you know, in, in ancient Aztec, mm-hmm. you know. and there are people who can do that. Yeah. So no, that's not ideal. But no, he's the, the part I got from his "Let's all you know, let's all move together" speech was basically, "You lost, give up." Mm-hmm. You know, it was just a more polite way of saying that. You know, he wasn't offering anything. To to you know, remain voters to get them on board with his project. It was basically a polite way of saying I've won and you've lost. You know, and, and there, there was nothing there. And I don't see Boris Johnson being a conciliatory figure, a healing figure at all. I don't think that's in his nature. I mean, I can't conceive of any Conservative government that's got a crushing majority like Boris Johnson now has. There is why? Why did they have to bother reaching out to the opposition? And they're not going to, you know. And I suspect very strongly that that's the tactic that he's going to use in his dealings with Nicola Sturgeon. He's going to use this majority of eighty that he's got in the House of Commons. He will try and steamroller it to say, "No, I don't. I don't need your votes. I don't care." You know, I'm not giving it to you, and I think that will generate a head of steam in Scotland that will eventually lead to Scottish independence, whether that's this year or next year. It will happen sooner rather than later. 
So that's my prediction let's, for 2020. Let's, let's end on that positive note before we get into any more wars or anything. Let's end yeah. on the positive note that it's looking good. Yes, that's that if sense. we still have a planet. If we still have a Right, so... So, that's us. That's yeah. uh, next week we'll be talking about the forthcoming March, big March coming up mm-hmm. in Glasgow. So that'll be good. Keep an ear out for that. Yep. Thank you, everyone. And we'll speak to you soon. Speak Bye. to you soon.